Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Laura, if you're listening, when she looked at her butter, she said, it looks like a poo. Well, quite honestly, I looked at it and thought, dear, if your poo looks like that, you really need to be going to see a doctor because I don't know what she's looking at. Welcome back to the Bake Down podcast. This is Josh Landy, founder of Bake With A Legend, and we have just finished recording episode three. And I was thrilled to say that Karen Wright, star of series nine of Bake Off, joined Howard, Jane and I this week for a look back on Bread Week. Thank you again for all the emails and comments on social media. It means a lot to us. Please keep in touch if you have any comments or questions for Howard and Jane or even myself, you can reach us at thebakedown at bakewithalegend.com. It's been such a thrill to meet so many of our listeners at online classes. And as we move nearer to Christmas, you can join us for a huge range of classes. We've added Dan Beasley Harling's Yule Log class, which is already nearly sold out and it's uh, two months away. We've got Karen Wright's Mince Pies class, Jane's Florentine and Biscotti class, and at least 10 others currently on sale. So please do check out bakewithalegend.com forward slash online classes to check out what's on offer. And remember, use the podcast code podcast for 10% off we do also offer vouchers so if you have a bake-off fan in your life that you're looking to get a gift for you can do that for them and they'll choose which class they'd like to attend for now though enjoy the podcast we will absolutely love this week's bread episode and i hope you'll enjoy our review Well, we're thrilled to have another special guest with us on the podcast making her bake down debut is Karen right? Karen, are you up in Wakefield today? Yeah, hi, yes, good morning. I am. I'm in sunny, well, it's not sunny, but it's not pouring down with rain yet. But I'm in Wakefield, that's that's my hometown, and that's where I am today. We're so thrilled to have you with us. Thanks a lot. We're discussing Bread Week, of course, which is a, a staple of any Bake Off year. I got a sense that they wanted to 
portray, as they always do, that Bredwick is somehow scarier because of poor Hollywood. Is that a fair analysis of of this week? Um, yeah, well, it is really. I mean, Paul Paula is a very imposing sort of presence at the best of times, I felt, you know, in that tent. Um, he's got that aura. And he certainly seemed to emphasise that on Breadweek for us. I mean, he wore black. That was significant. Not, not this, you know, but in my year, he wore black trousers, black shirt, and he paced around an awful lot more during bread week yeah so um it is you know it's his thing isn't it bread yes yeah, so you, you're big thing you, you're wanting to impress jane that little bit more even though it comes fairly early on in the whole bake-off process yeah i i think so just because everybody makes such a big deal that it's bread week and it's paul and and the crew all build you up to it and Paul certainly struts around a bit, a bit like a peacock. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you you are a little bit more scared that week. But then I was always scared of Paul. I was always in awe of all of them in the tent, to be honest. But you're sort of three weeks in, you haven't really settled totally. And Paul's breathing down your neck. It's, it's like, it's a thing that nightmares are made of. Howard, it was actually your second week, wasn't it, bread week? It was even earlier on in the process. I remember your, your Moroccan breadsticks that you had to do and the English muffins, wasn't it? Which, of course, was quite memorable, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> yes, uh, Sue Perkins elbowed my muffin. Yes, I, I can die now. I can die out on that for, forevermore, can't I? But yes, you're right. It was it was week two for us. So I think over the years, I think they've pushed it a little bit further back in the schedule and brought bris- biscuits forward. But yeah, I think it is a, a stressful week. Although I have to say, it was one of my favourite weeks. I do love the fact that you do have certain times within bread week where you you're waiting for the dough to uh to prove and you just sit down and have a cup of tea and a bit of a yeah. chat with people and that's lovely that is it's, it's it is sort of what baking's all about that aspect of it i think um it's very i love bread i love bread i love making bread because i think it's very sort of homely isn't it it's very earthy yeah. and like howard just said then you know it's a time that you can commune with the other bakers yeah i really loved it my bread week. Well, we'll get into talking about the week itself very shortly. We have had a couple of emails in which I wanted to read read out. The first was from Ankita Krishnan um, over in America. My name is Ankita. I'm a big fan of the Great British Bake Off. So grateful for your podcast to relive the memories from David's winning season and to go along the journey with the new season now with all of you. Thanks for all the thoughts, insights and humour from you, Jane <laughs> and Howard. I love to bake so much. Of my inspiration comes from the show. I have a small question related to the show. Whenever I watch the episodes, I've noticed the ovens seem quite small for how much the bakers have to bake, especially in cake week or bread week. I'm curious to know what you think of the bake-off ovens and whether the size is pretty typical for general ovens or if they had any challenges because of it. If you have any bonus tips for how to adapt to different oven sizes, that'd be much appreciated. Jane, what do you think? Are the ovens pretty regular size? Because you do see these weeks where part of the challenge, of course, is not only the time, but then working out what's got to go in the oven when if it all can't go in. They're, they're standard ovens. So if 
you have what normal person has is an ordinary sort of wall mounted oven or under the bench mounted oven that's the size you get I mean there you can go and buy one of those ovens anywhere it's not enough room for some of the really complicated bakes and that's just one of the challenges getting everything baked and more importantly cooled in in the time that they give you and I think sometimes they're a bit mean about it. I know in our final, we had to make a right royal picnic and we had a million and one things going on. And we weren't allowed to use the ovens in the spare benches, which I thought was really mean. We were allowed to use the benches, which I covered royally with chocolate, I think, if I remember, and some glitter. But we weren't allowed to use the ovens because I think part of the challenge is how you can get some of these very, very time-restricted challenges out in time and that's part of the fun of it actually to see the cream sliding off or or the cakes falling apart because they're too warm i'm sure they love that but it just gives that extra bit of entertainment but no for it's just a standard size oven that most of you will have at home well what i would like to say jane on that is i now have exactly the same oven as we had in the tent <laughs> uh, yeah well i love the hide and slide you know the door yeah, I loved that, um, and I was I was due to have a replacement oven anyway, so I sort of treated myself to that. And um, like you've just said, the challenge was many many times to use a standard domestic oven to create your showstopper generally. And my biscuits, well, the the biscuit selfie, which was the showstopper my year, was it had to be forty centimeters by forty centimeters. That that it had to be at least that big. And it wasn't really possible to cook a biscuit that big at once, which was a pest, really, because we then had to bake squares of biscuit to fill 40 centimetres several times over, then glue them together. And, and that, that was part of the challenge, and it was quite difficult. Same with the, the cakes, you know, when you have to make a, a multi-tiered cake. Yeah, and it's all it adds to the drama, you see, because when you, you you're trying to get things in that oven and they're trying to film you going in, I'm I'm going in. We always say I'm going in, <laughs> and they come flocking round to do the filming of of you putting the stuff in there, and um, yeah, that adds to the tension and the likelihood of dropping something <laughs> is high, and it did with me. In in actual fact, I did drop um, a cake, and um, yeah, it's because it's a small oven. Howard, did you find yourself also being tempted to improve your oven when uh, after you've been on the show? Is it almost like when you've had the enjoyment of one of his top ovens? <laughs> Do you know, it's funny that, isn't it? People often say even the winner doesn't come out of Bake Off with very much other than a, a cake stand. And most of us come out with this lifelong memory, this wonderful experience. But it does sound as if they've also encouraged us to buy ovens. Because I've got the same one as well. Have you, Alice? Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I've got the same makeup oven, but I didn't like the slide and glide because I like to be able to rest things on it if I'm taking it out to base. Oh, uh, yeah. And it disappeared underneath. But somebody's oven door fell off. It wasn't you, Karen, I don't think. Was it Stacy's no. oven door fell off one year? Was it Stacy the year before you? I just remember the door so dropping I, off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We we had I think we had a bit of an, an incident with something combusted. <laughs> I think somebody left something. I don't know if it was 
plastic, something. And we had a moment of high drama involving the ovens, but no, not it wasn't the door hour year, no. No, I think it was probably, I think it was Stacey. I just remember a door hitting the floor, but not our year, unfortunately. I think you're right there, Jane, with a bit of Bake Off trivia. It was Stacey uh, a couple of years ago. Very impressive. It feels like if and when you do go on Mastermind with a cele- the topic of Great British Bake Off, you will be uh, in pole position. We did have another email. This came in from Elizabeth Halgren. She said, hello, I love listening to your podcast so much. I have two questions. Who bakes the example food that Paul and Prue taste while explaining the technical and how do they always get it so perfect? Howard, can you shed any light on who makes it and how it's so perfect? Well, I suppose that the the fantasy is that it's probably made by the the judges, but I think that's highly unlikely. No, I I think it's one of the food producers or home economists who, who, who does that. And I would suggest that probably the reason why they always look so perfect is because they probably have unlimited time to do them. Exactly. <laughs> that yeah. would certainly make it easier. The second question, and I'll come to you, Karen, here. It says, on the show, the last five minutes of each challenge are often a mad dash to finish. It seems like the bakers can only accomplish an amazing amount of work when it gets to the very end. How dramatised is this, or is it really like that? It, it, it is exactly as you see it. That's that's the great thing about the show, I think, is that nothing they don't tamper with the baking time at all. So it's not edited in any way to make, you know, it is, if you've got two hours, you've got two hours. And it's down to the to the preparation, I think, not probably the technical one, but, but for the uh, showstopper and for the signature, it's down to the preparation that the bakers have done in advance to time themselves. And I'm always quite shocked when it, it appears when they're asked that they haven't actually maybe ever achieved it in practice sessions and actually finished a bake. It's one of my things. I like to be punctual and, and, and finish on time. And I was really determined that I would always build in enough time in my practice. So I added an extra t- sort of took 10 minutes off the baking time to allow for tragedies to happen, you know? So I think in my week one, we had the biscuit challenge and I, and I finished 10 minutes before and that's when I got my bag of crisps out. And, <laughs> I I, and well, yes, I did because I've, I've been so determined to finish in time and be calm and it worked for goodness sake. It worked that week and I didn't for, for once. I didn't have, a, have, an, have an emergency. So I'd got 10 minutes spare and I spotted my snack box that you're giving out your snacks to, to, to eat because it's a long time baking for hours and end. And uh, I thought, oh, I'll have these then. And I sat myself down and enjoyed the crisps. And um, it caused a bit of a sensation. I didn't expect that, but I built in that time, you see, so I could sit and chill out. Uh, so that would be always my advice to anybody is to, is to add emergency time into your practice bakes. Yeah, it was an unusual memory from Bake Off. <laughs> Usually we are so desperately seeing people rush around you know that might have been like first first week look because the significantly as as my weeks progressed i wasn't quite as in control as i had been that week no let's start looking at the week that was in the great british bake-off tin it was bread week and the signature jane was too beautifully made soda breads and they were told they could do whichever flavors they like and have one sweet and one savory 
So what did you make of this? It seemed a fairly straightforward task. You'd think most of them have made soda bread in the past, wouldn't you, Jane? Well, I would have thought so. I mean, it's a go-to bread if you suddenly think, oh gosh, I've got soup in an hour and I've got no bread to go with it. You can generally rustle one up with whatever you've got in the fridge, as long as you've got some flour lurking. You know, you don't need, what do you call it, buttermilk. You don't have to have buttermilk. You can do it with yogurt. You can acidify some standard milk. So, you know, there's no excuse. Got some flour, got something dairy in the fridge. You can knock out a soda bread. Um, It's a brilliant challenge. I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Paul did raise an eyebrow when he went to Mark, I think it was. Oh, buttermilk haven't you got any buttermilk in there oh yes of course I've got buttermilk in there but nobody they all made butter but I wasn't aware that any of them used the liquid for those of you who are listening who've never made butter the liquid that comes off from um, whizzing up your double cream is actually buttermilk and actually if you make your own butter that buttermilk that comes off it is fantastic to use in soda bread oh that's where soda bread really came from I think because sort of any Irish people listening will probably correct me but you know use use that stuff don't pour it down the sink it's marvellous um but one thing I just wanted to mention while I remember it because I know we're you know we're all going to dip in here Noel turned around and said I can't remember who it was too but said no one under 40 eats bread these days so why are we making two no one under I know loads of people under 40 that eat bread I mean I went out to try and get some bread flour yesterday and there was none in either Tesco's or Morrison's. Uh, I haven't tried Sainsbury's, sorry, Sainsbury's. Um, But there were an awful lot of people eating bread and we're not all over 40 living down here in Faversham. So what was all that about? (laughs) I I wonder there if he was suggesting on a sort of young health kick of... I think um, so. Wanting to uh, avoid too too much bread is that what you took from it, Karen? It is. I I have um I have two daughters, um both under forty, but one's very near forty, and she in particular is uh, very very keen on on nutrition and and health, and she tries to reduce her bread intake to almost zero. Yeah, it's not that it's carbs, isn't it? That's the thing, and and you know if you're on a, a particular slimming program <laughs> they it's very difficult to incorporate bread into a diet and and continually lose weight and that is why i struggle because i find it, it's my favorite thing and soda bread like jane said it can be made in half an hour as we saw it can be made without specialist flour you know if i'm making them i sometimes do them at demos um because it's great to be able to show people like, look, you can do this out of your cupboard. You've got plain flour, a bit of bicarbonate of soda, bit of milk and some lemon juice, and, and you're away and you've got it on the table. And it's quite dramatic to see it rise there. And the cross, you know, I was doing this, and, you know, one of the bakers, I don't know who it was, said, oh, you know, it's just a pretty thing to do. But seemingly, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but somebody told me, put the hand up at a demo and said, it's because it originated in Ireland, and they, they put the sign of the cross to like bless the cake and to ward off any demons into it and make it sort of safe and wholesome and you know that so that's got some history as well and it's a bit like a scone as well in texture because I think it one of the bakers it was uh, Laura I think she sort of said that her her sweet one was scony and I, and it does have a scone texture anyway I think 
The crosses also, I've heard that it's to let the fairies out. Or to Same say, sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Thing, isn't it's, it? a, it's a nice, yeah, a, a feel good thing, mm. whichever way. Yeah. Mm. So, Howard, the challenge here is you obviously got no yeast, but you've got to deal with the right rising agents to get the growth. And you've got to get them quickly, don't you? Pretty much quickly into the oven. I, I dare say you would have enjoyed the savoury one a little more, if I know you right, Howard. You do know me right, don't you? Although, actually, I thought it was quite nice because I think soda bread we do traditionally think of as a savoury thing. And it was it was quite nice to see how people approached uh, putting sweet ingredients into a soda bread. And clearly, Hermine's approach of this dried fruit that had been soaked in orange liqueur for two weeks sounded lovely. And Laura grating up a marzipan and producing quite a sort of soft looking dough to begin with, but something which had great flavour to it. Yeah, yeah, I was I was very interested in the alternative shape that Dave did his sweet one. He tried to make, because he was doing chocolate as a basic um, flavour, and he tried to shape it as a block of chocolate with the sort of, instead of the cross, the squares shaped. Uh, so I thought that was... That was something a bit different to normal, for sure. Yeah. I dare say, Jane, we're going to talk about Rowan a little bit as we go through this podcast, given it was his farewell, sadly. I did fear with Rowan the writing was on the wall when it got to the end of the challenge and he looked at it and said, it is what it is. I mean, it didn't get off to the, the best start for him, even in the early stages of the show this week. No, poor old Rowan. <laughs> He makes me laugh so much, though. I just, just love the things that he says. He, he's just hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, why put all that polenta in? The polenta. God, it digs. I mean, what was it described? It's like something like eating a lemon drizzle in a sandstorm. You could just, in that brief sentence from Paul, you could taste that cake or other. I mean, a lot of us have sat on beaches eating sandwiches as kids, Um <laughs> that have, have got sand in them and oh god I still remember that horrible horrible crunch and that's what Paul's comment conjured up for me and yeah I didn't really fancy any, any of it but I did love all the comments about Italian sausages the big sausage <laughs> we all like a big sausage you see Lucas I think is genius with his asides and looks to camera he called himself a um, sort of 70s game show host I mean, it just had me roaring with laughter I, I, pure entertainment Rowan I, I, Rowan and Matt it ought to be the new double act on Saturday night telly I think hilarious loved, loved it but his bake sadly didn't quite live up to the humour Howard how do you think you would have reacted if you found yourself like Mark with a C, and he, well, he got himself slightly messy, didn't he, quite early on in this week's show? He did. I think he, it, well, on, on a number of things, because partly with the, the sort of uh, buttermilk that, that went all over, but he also had got beetroot as well, hadn't he? So, I mean, it, it was doubly sort of messy ingredients, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think you've, you can only just laugh if you get covered in, uh, in buttermilk, can't you? <laughs> he, he, he got great coverage though didn't he managed to get it on his back in his ear <laughs> on the floor oh yes and, and had everybody else in hysterics i think it probably calmed everybody down in the tent up it was brilliant 
I think it probably did. Now, Jane, I'm intrigued what might have not calmed Lottie down is when she's talking about the ratios of blueberry to flower and having Paul really look suspicious about her numbers where she's going too much, too little. That doubt must play on your mind a little bit. You second guess yourself potentially. She handles it really well, doesn't she? She's She's got such a lovely way with her without sounding too smart or or lippy. She, she comes back to him in a really um, amusing and dignified way. I, gosh, you'd be going, should I put more blueberries in? Should I put less blueberries in? Should I leave the blueberries out? I, I, no wonder, as... Noel says later on, you know, she's not a swan-like at all because she's slapping all the time. Well, if somebody like Paul comes over your bench and questions, questions everything, questions everything and looks at you, he's got that look, hasn't he? He's got that He's sort of raise an eyebrow type of look. Hmm. <laughs> so I thought she did, I thought she did very well, actually, to the way she, she dealt with it and just got on with it. It looked like a nice loaf, apart from bacon falling off the top. But yeah, good on Lottie. I'm, she, I'm, I'm really liking Lottie. Oh, I'm liking all of them, to be honest. Howard, as our gluten-free expert, will just give a quick mention to Peter. Just tell us about some of the challenges when you are trying to do this gluten-free, because yeah. you end up with the greatest feedback from Paul and Prue. It is difficult uh, because I think he was trying to do, he was trying to attempt something which is difficult to begin with. And I think when you are presenting gluten-free bread to people who perhaps don't eat gluten-free bread very often, you can notice there's quite a, a difference between the, the two types. So I think it's difficult because the judges would be comparing that gluten-free bread, bread with non-gluten-free bread if you know what I mean wheated bread it, it's probably something which his brother I think it's his brother who's gluten intolerant it's probably something which his brother really really loves when you compare it with the others it probably isn't as tasty or it, it doesn't have the same texture to it yeah there's no question he's making life harder for himself so brave to take that on well, Karen, before we wrap up this section of the show, we obviously have to talk about Hermine because she ended up with a handshake. What was it about her bake, do you think, that meant that she got this handshake? Howard alluded before that there was lots of booze in it and that's why he liked it, but there was more to it than that. Well, yeah, I mean, she she did. And and, and I, I sort of made a note here. She's tick, 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 tick. Everything about the, the challenge they said was good, you know, it well it was well risen. It was uh, unusual ingredients, and, and she put salmon and cheese into her savoury and said that she didn't even know whether that was a thing. And is it a thing? Well, they obviously loved it. Um, so it was unusual. That was a thing there. Um, the dried fruit, uh, the quattro, which is a great a great combination, isn't it? That or it's orange liqueur, I do believe. So the whole of the the challenge she pulled it off and got it out of the bag and su surprise a handshake came up you know we don't expect them this series do we not so much well in the covid secure bio yeah. it was the second of a series jane what did you make of it no i thought it was great but i just want to say if laura if you're listening when she looked at her butter she said it looks like a poo. Yeah. 
well, quite honestly, I looked at it and thought, dear, if your poo looks like that, you really need to be going to see a doctor because I don't know what she's looking at. <laughs> that made me laugh too. She's, I felt they, they all made me laugh. I just, <laughs> yeah, it didn't look like a poo at all. But they seem to be, uh, you know, last week we didn't comment on it, but Laura said something that would definitely be bleeped out or cut, and I'm not going to repeat it. But in our series, we we were told off we mustn't swear. And yes, I. One of our one of our babies had real trouble not swearing, um, and you can always put a video together of, of her swearing. And I'm thinking they're, they're not um, being quite so fussy about what people say now. I mean, it's. It's not offensive, I don't think, but it's just interesting in the editing this year. Um, but I think she ought to go and see a doctor if her poo looks like that, because it looked like a perfectly piped bit of butter to me. There you go. We are offering not only baking advice and reflection on the Bake Off Center, but also medical advice for those <laughs> they need it as well. Hi, everybody. My name's Helen. And I'm Kobe. And we're from Flixwatcher podcast in the strip media family we are a movie podcast and we review films that are just on netflix in the uk so if you've ever struggled to find a film on netflix to watch we're the podcast for you we have guests on from other podcasts big and small just like these guys that you listen to now they choose the films and we rate them and discuss them with our unique scoring system you can find flix watcher on any podcast app by searching flix watcher that's f L-I-X Watcher. And if you want more information about any of the other podcasts in the Strip Media family, just visit www.strips.media to find out more. We're going to move on to talking about the technical challenge. Howard, this was fun, colourful, six rainbow-coloured bagels. They had to use five different coloured doughs just explain why this is a tricky challenge because you not only have to bake them but they have to get boiled first don't they they do and i think they'd added obviously in the the additional complication of making up i think it was five different colored doughs and then there was a bit of confusion out let's say about how you incorporate the colors together so layering them up and then twisting them uh, and then shaping them into into the bagel uh, shape and yeah, you've you've got obviously the boiling to do first, and then you've got the baking as well. So there are so many elements, so many bits of that challenge where you could go a bit wrong, really. I think we saw that in the feedback, didn't we, that we eventually got. There was such a range of, of quality of bagel, let's say, by the end. I remember looking at the feedback here that Rowan got, you know, overproved, not at all crisp, underbaked all the way through to Linda's smooth and light, with great size and a good crumb. So there was such a variety. Karen, have you ever made anything like this before? I have once in my practices for trying to get onto the show, when I was trying to do a like a portfolio of bakes, I did do bagels. And I didn't do them properly. I remember the plunging into water and I remember the baking but they didn't turn out very nice and I haven't tried them since but it has inspired me to have another go this week I loved the colours 
you know, that was such a good idea, such, you know, inspired by whoever thought that, well, it was Paul, wasn't it? And yeah, so I'm going to have another go. Howard or, or Jane, what is it about the boiling? Because I'm this is out of my sort of remit, really. What is it about the boiling that in the final, is it, does it give it a different texture then? Is it chewy? Is that what they were saying? It makes it chewy? That plunge in boiling water? Yeah, I think it affects the crust. So instead of having um, a crunchy crust, you get the slightly chewy, chewy crust that sort of um, that the hallmark of a good bagel. Uh, I don't think everybody. I know when I was in New York a few years ago, it was like we boil our bagels. So whether other people don't boil their bagels, I don't know. But uh, I have made bagels. A few times, actually, and I enjoy making them. But the challenge is, as Paul said on a number of occasions, if you overproof them or overboil them, you end up with flat, wrinkly ones. You think if you let them puff up too much. I think the first time I made them, I think, oh, gosh, this recipe can't be right because they've we, we've only got to proof them for another 20 minutes or something like that. Um, and they do collapse. So they look beautiful. You put them in the water and then they collapse into this wrinkly heap. So they are tricky, but they're fun to make. And then you can coat them in all sorts of seeds, which is lovely. And um, I don't know whether they were glazing them. Um, I brush the surface before they go into the oven in egg white and that gives them a lovely shine oh yes so you I'm sure that's great a great tip bit of egg white and then um do that and they they come up a treat and then they freeze really well so have another go karen i, I mean, shall we... no definitely definitely will i i, I won't be put off and, and and they generally did okay i thought you know i mean who won that was it linda wasn't it linda won the challenge linda did yeah she did really yeah it, it was uh, Linda who won the challenge. Howard, who's caught your eye? I mean, Rowan, we have to talk about him again briefly here because at the end of the first challenge, he'd left saying, it is what it is. At the end of this challenge, he looked down at what he had and said, that's not a bagel. Yeah, and I, I think I've, I know from personal experience when you're in that situation where your signature bake's not gone well and you've probably come bottom in the technical challenge and everything then rests on doing something spectacular in the showstopper. And so it's possible to turn it round even at that point, but your heart does sink a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'll say that, yeah. I In my cake week... The, the technical challenge was Gatto Vert. Now, I'd never heard of it. And it was Monet, Monet the artist's favourite cake. And it was a very technical, very extremely, lots of things to do in that spinach went in it to make it green. Ooh. Anyway, I, did, <laughs> I was in two years doing it. It all went wrong. And I obviously did come last, deservedly last. It was a shocking bake. And of course, when they're doing the chats with you then before you're going into day two, they were saying, you know, you can pull this back, you can pull this back. And I thought, well, can I though? Can I actually pull that situation and stay in the show? And I did. I managed to pull off a showstopper of showstoppers, I thought, my cake. And um, it was the only cake that Paul actually loved. I thought I might have got a handshake for it. I could see him hovering but it didn't quite reach out to me. But I did pull that situation back from that awful, terrible feeling of being last in the technical. Yeah, it, it can happen. Sadly, not for Rowan, and we'll talk about his show stuff uh, shortly. Jane, whose bagels did you like, or who did you thought put in a good effort on this one? 
Um, well, Linda, of course, um, fantastic bagels, and Mark, of course. Um, but I just wanted to comment on Sura, who has managed to escape our uh, pearls of wisdom so far. Um, she said she'd never made them before. She said she has a bagel shop just down the road, so she doesn't have to make them because they're right here locally, or words to that effect. And I thought, yeah, but we can go and buy a loaf of bread down at the shop. We can buy cakes at the shop. We can do anything like that. You know, I... I don't know. As a, as a keen baker, most of us would go, oh, that looks nice in the shop. I wonder how I can make them at home. And I just thought that was an odd thing to say, because I find inspiration from bakers' shops and restaurants and cookbooks and, and we find it, 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 inspiration everywhere. So, so to say you don't have to make them because you can buy them down the road, I just thought it was an odd thing for a baker to say, really. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It slightly uh, irritated me that, and I'm sorry to say that, Sarah, but it did. Howard, have you got somewhere within easy walking distance to get hold of your baby? <laughs> I have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have made bagels in the past. And I remember the first lot of bagels that I did, I used spelt flour, and that's not a good thing to do because uh, it, it sort of collapses a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I have made bagels, but I have to say I buy them as well. And so it was Linda who was awarded first place. Mark with a C was second. Mark with a K was third. And down at the bottom, it wasn't good for Dave or Rowan. Heading into the showstopper, we knew it was going to be something special, as you mentioned there before, Karen, that Rowan was going to need. Jane, this challenge, a large decorative bread plaque. Just tell us, firstly, what your overall thoughts on this kind of challenge were is it one you'd have been looking forward to take on yes i would have been looking forward to this challenge it was very similar to the challenge we did in our bread week we we had to do i think we had to use three different types of flowers we had to use lots of plaiting and the lovely kate barnby did who was amazing did the most beautiful intricate um almost uh, this harvest festival type design i think she have an angel on it? She certainly did ears of wheat. It is a lovely, lovely challenge to do. And it's made me think, oh, perhaps I'll have a go at that if I have three hours and 30 minutes to spare. Again, it's just the time that scuppered them. But I thought it, I thought it was a lovely idea. Um, and whether you particularly want to eat it afterwards is another matter because there is the challenge of different breads and different flowers and rising at different times and you know they've got to so technically to get it right but I thought it was a great challenge they always do something like this don't they when, when Paul made his wonderful lion bread head I wonder it's still lurking in the freezer somewhere I know it was in my year um it no a great challenge I thought very entertaining yeah there was lots of room here for creativity Howard they were asked to make and portray something they were grateful for. Howard, what, what would you have immediately let for? What are you particularly grateful for at the moment? What would you try to have designed? But no, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think a lot of people had, had thought about family and health and things like that. And some people had gone sort of very traditional and, you know, came up with things like tomato tree, tomato vines and things like that. I suppose there's part of you that thinks what would look good at a design and then can I work out a background story that, that will make it fit the brief? <laughs> exactly. Of course you do. <laughs> that's cynical, isn't it? But yeah. 
<laughs> no, absolutely true, Howard. Absolutely true. I thought it was a fantastic opportunity uh, to become as so creative. Uh, the scope, I mean, we all love that Harvest Festival feeling from when we were at school, don't you know? And, and like, it, it, what are we grateful for at the moment? Well, you know, in this unusual and horrible time we've had. I think hearth and home is, is probably a great thing. And and I would, I, you see, you could build in loads, you could have built in the, the vine trees, the pear trees, the house, the, everything into, you know, I would have probably done, I don't live in a cottage, but I would have, I would have done a lovely cottage with maybe a thatched roof and the typical roses around the garden and then the trees, we could have had some fruit trees in there, you know, and it could have brought the colour in and vibrancy. I'm so excited, Jane, I would do that challenge for a special event, of, of hope, you know, like if you were doing a buffet or something, um, it, like a, it's grazing tables are very popular, aren't they now? Yeah. That's something new. Well, you could do something like that with all the cheeses and pickles and, and olives and everything as your centrepiece. I think I'd love, in fact, I might do one this afternoon. It's a quiet oh, day. It's a quiet day in Wakefield. <laughs> well, let's just talk about a few of the individuals who we saw here and Howard, we should talk about Mark with a C. He obviously went on to become Star Baker. His Dharma wheel, it was really impressive, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I thought it was it was interesting that he'd come up with an unusual shape uh, and then was putting colour on it. I think where Mark particularly um, impressed is that he understood a little bit more about what you can do with bread and worked with that. I felt that some of the bakers, Peter, for example, was trying to do something that doesn't work particularly well in bread. Um, and he was trying to go against the, the kind of natural qualities that dough has. So I think the more successful ones, including Mark, let's say, were ones who'd understood how you manipulate bread and what you can do with it. And it still retain a bread-like quality, if that makes sense. Jane, are you, are you in agreement there? I saw you nodding. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely in agreement. I mean, the... the, the... The challenge is, isn't it, when you're given a brief for something like this, it's, it's how, I'm, how am I going to make it look like a showstopper? And you can get so carried away with the design that you forget, as Howard said, you know, what the qualities of bread are. I mean, with Peter, to, you know, he was a bit of a genius to try and do the bagel dough so he could shape it, but then you couldn't eat it. I mean, it was absolutely awful. So the more successful ones, I think Sura's was very successful and she kept the design really simple, but actually it was probably one of the ones that I really wanted to eat. Um, it, yeah, you know, you have to work with the material that you've got and as gorgeous as it can look, you still have to eat it. Um, I know, you see, I, I thought uh, Sura's, when he said, oh, well, don't forget the tomato and what's it stuffed with? What was it stuffed with? Feta. Um, I thought, oh, I could have eaten that, that, that ball of what was supposed to look like tomato. Um, and, and that's what can get lost when you're creating a visual masterpiece out of a food ingredient. And I think that's what happened to some of them on this challenge. I mean, they looked great, but not all of them did I want to eat. Karen, I just want to pick up on 
her means as well, because we did see that she went for making um, an arranged dough. She claimed it was going to be something close to brioche, and Paul Hollywood looked suspicious from the start. Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> well, obviously, brioche takes a, a lot longer than the, than the time that they had in the tent, so she was trying to speed it up, popped it in the freezer or something. And I think, I, I, I think he was not expecting to like that part of the bread from the outset and nor did he he said he said about that that it was it didn't have any flavor he did like the focaccia base and i loved her design he said it was a good design it was a london to paris trip wasn't it and i thought that that was that was a very visually appealing thing, especially for, I love going to France. It's something I like to do. So I loved that one. And um, probably one of, my, one of my favorites. I think there were some really great ones visually. We don't, none of us know what they tasted like, but you know, they've got to be both. Jane, just give us a little bit of insight there. Karen mentioned the popping in the freezer that her mind did to try and force through this to be done in time. How much of a cheat is that and how successful is that likely to be? Well, to be honest, I'm not a great brioche maker. Um, the thing is with brioche, because really I can't be bothered, to be honest. Uh, it takes so long. The thing is you've got brioche, an enriched dough has oh, butter, milk, eggs, sugar, lots of different additions. Bread's normally water, yeast and flour. And, and obviously then salt and flavorings and things. So this has lots of other stuff shoved in it. And brioche particularly has shed loads of butter in it. If you try and get, uh, I was trying, I was making brioche-like, not actual brioche, but brioche-like burger buns. And I now cut the butter right down on it. So it's not really brioche at all. It's an enriched dough burger bun. Um, but if you put all that butter in, it can take three, four, five hours to get that dough to rise. So she was saying it wasn't rising, it wasn't rising. It doesn't matter how much you stick it in the proving drawer. That poor old yeast has got an awful lot of other ingredients to, to make it puff up. Um, I think she was onto a loser right from the start, apart from the fact that Paul definitely was convinced it wasn't going to work and therefore it wasn't going to work. Um, but I just, again, back to what Howard was saying, you're forgetting what your dough does and how to work with your doughs. Brioche in three hours and 30 minutes, you'd have looked at that recipe and gone, nah, and it, it didn't really work for her. But you say you love the design, Karen, and I did. But Paul went, oh, it looks a bit abstract, lost yeah. a little definition. And then at the end, he went, I thought the design was fantastic. Well, make your mind up. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, um, I thought it looked lovely. I thought there were some great designs there. Howard, just on this then, Rowan did leave the tent because he couldn't quite pull it back enough, could he, with his life in Worcestershire that he visually did quite well, but it wasn't the feedback he'd have needed to stay in the competition. No, and it was really sad because I thought the flavours that he put in there, blue cheese and pear, chestnut, potato and truffle oil, they sounded delicious, but I just don't think he'd put enough of them in. And so, unfortunately, Paul said it was all style, no substance, which is something that he used to say quite frequently in my year about Francis Quinn, who went on to win. So um, it's unfortunate that Rowan didn't have a few more weeks to be able to turn that round, really. 
Yeah, we'll we'll certainly miss him, but a solid three weeks of entertainment, nevertheless. Was there anyone else here, Jane, that you wanted to give honourable mention to for what they managed to achieve in the uh, in the showstopper? Well, I'm, Dave's I liked. I thought it was sweet. I loved the whole thought about it. And I thought Paul was very harsh about saying you should have cut out all those individual bricks. Yeah, right. You're not going to do that. I thought I thought it was a very clever way of showing bricks on a house, but I, Paul was clearly in a bad mood by that stage. I think the problem with a lot of it was... And I love Rowan's design. I thought it it was my favourite. It was a true, true showstopper. I'm just sad um, that he didn't get a better bake on it. I think, again, you know, the whole style over substance thing, I mean, the danger is always not to put enough flavour in any of it. And if a letter, lesson to be learned by anybody applying to Bake Off and is fortunate enough to get into Bake Off... Um, Howard and I apply every year, but they somehow know that we've been. <laughs> um, <laughs> is to bang those flavours in, really whack the flavours in as much as you can without going over the top, and also make it a visual feast because um, it strikes me that uh, Prue loves a bit of bright colour in her bakes as well as um, uh, good flavour. So I just think needed to oomph their flavours up a bit I don't think anyone other than the ones we mentioned have stood out particularly um, I just think yeah everybody give it a go at home you know if we get locked down again if you can get a hold of bread flour sit, have a go combine two or three different flavours of bread and see what you create tag us all at Bake With A Legend and we would love to see what you can come up with I think it would be amazing Now, Howard, it's that point in the show where no doubt you've been rattling your brain ever since you stopped watching this week's episode to wonder what your hump is going to be. What have you gone for this time? You know, I could have had about two or three humps this time. Uh, it was <laughs> it was interesting that last week's hump, the overall, um, Paul uh, kind of cut back on his overalls this week, so we only had two overalls. But I think we've already mentioned one of them. This, this um, nobody under forty eats bread anymore. Oh, it, it infuriated me that I, I think Paul, uh, I think Noel has got a, an odd attitude towards food. I think it was last week or the week before. He said eating is cheating, uh, and it worries me because. Uh, I think Bake Off often gets criticised for promoting comfort eating and overindulgence. And I'm just a bit irked by this subliminal message, you know, the no carbs before marbs kind of thing, that young people stay TV fit and Instagram ready by not, not eating. I just think, oh, don't do that, please. The other thing I didn't particularly like was Rowan blowing on his butter, but... Uh... <laughs> Blowing on his butter. Yes, he'd obviously got a bit of dust or something on it, and he he blew on it, which you think, oh, if you go around for dinner at Rowan's, just um, perhaps avoid the butter. So, Jane, in conclusion, the star baker going to Mark with a C, Rowan leaving the tent. Were they the two right decisions for you? Um, yes, I think I, I, I think Mark did really, really well. I think there were criticisms on all the bakes for all the bakers. And I think 
it was less clear who was going to be absolutely at the top, but I think Mark was more consistent through all three bakes, and it's certainly his his bread wheel. How do you pronounce it? Dharma, the Dharma wheel. I think snatched it for him but there there was a bit of competition at the top there um rowan uh you know i looked and looked and looked and looked and looked for a way that he could escape because he makes me laugh so much but there was nobody close there was nobody competing for the bottom slot i'm afraid so rowan just absolutely had to go but he could come around to dinner at mine anytime as long as he doesn't blow on anything I completely agree with Jane. Mark, uh, the star baker, um, the bagels were so vibrant and beautifully done, I thought. And it it came second there, so he was in a very strong position anyway from that. And then, of course, his, his Dharma wheel was really inspired. You know, it said because his injury to his leg and every, everything. And I thought that was really, really good. And Rowan, oh, oh, Rowan, I loved Rowan. And when I saw the showstopper, I thought he might have done it because it was powerful. It was beautiful a vision, really. And then it didn't taste right. Oh, I was really disappointed. But I, I yeah, I, I guess his time had come. And that was the right decision at the end of the day. Yes, two decisions that we probably all felt were correct. Rowan obviously surviving last week. He couldn't avoid leaving the tent this week. But it was a most enjoyable episode, as Bread Week always is. Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Jane and Karen, for being with us. Karen, just before you go, you've obviously been part of the online classes that we're doing with Bait with a Legend. Just tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, well, coming up into our festive season, really, we're looking at things. Um, So I'm working on a mince pie with frangipan and brandy butter. So it's got lots of, you know, traditional things, making your own mincemeat is something not a lot of people do. It's really easy and it's very, very satisfying. So that's one. And I'm thinking maybe around a meringue wreath for Christmas time, you know, maybe chocolate and orange, something like that. Uh, So we're looking at festivities to cheer us all up. Well, we definitely need that. And uh, look, we've got loads of other classes coming on the website, including Jane's incredibly popular donuts howard's got uh, petty fours and howard also has an eclairs class coming up so do check those out on baitwithlegend.com forward slash online classes well thanks so much we'll be back here with you next wednesday and we look forward to another week in the tent heard a stripped media production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.